Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. Matt. John. John, John, John. John. I am so glad that you brought a therapist to be with us today because I'm going to unpack this is just going to be, what is it, an hour? You usually give How, a, how much are you going to charge us for this podcast? 50-minute therapy hour. 50-minute. 50-minute so, therapy hour, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, today's podcast will be 55 minutes. <laughs> it will be my session, along with Matt introducing our guest. Can we no. just do a group? Do you have a I group like therapy kind of rate that you could do with John? I don't want John to yeah. it all about me. Okay. Okay. Right. There you go. <laughs> just, let's go. Let's well, go Matt, there, John. We're, we're really blessed to have uh, Robert with us today. Do you, you want to introduce him yeah, to everyone since you yeah. guys have a relationship? And then, Robert, you tell us about sure. what you do and what you're involved in. Oh, I thought I could tell. I, I thought I could then introduce Matt. Just, no, you, that would actually be fun. <laughs> you, why don't you I've start? I've known him about 20 years. So don't you start and introduce Matt and then Matt can introduce you. Yeah. Well, I've known Robert since Robert's been, I think, 14 or 15. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Like um, I met I met Robert when he came to Mercy Street, mm-hmm. and then... Um, he's introducing you, and he's bringing coffee. Coffee. <laughs> yeah. So, listen, all good therapy and should involve... Coffee and... Coffee. Oh, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so, I, yeah, I met I met Robert when he was... When you were must have been 14 or 15, you came to Mercy Street, was... yeah. You, um, oh, really? The intersection at Mercy Street. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. And then we kind of not fell out of touch, but we kind of, I mean, I kept in touch through other people about Robert. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when, um, and I've always just been kind of connected and I've always felt connected to you in a really kind of soulful way mm-hmm. that is hard to explain. Yeah. And then when I came back from England, we got reconnected through yep. some things. And, um, and Robert is, uh, is among other things is probably one of the best therapists I know, um, and runs a a whole shop of therapists called the Lovett Center, and then has started uh, Ethos Behavioral Health. I'll let you talk about that too. Sure. But working on this PhD and is just yeah. in terms of um, work that folks do either in groups or individually. I've been around Robert in those settings, whether it's in the the vein of recovery or the vein of just soul and spirit stuff. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> one of the reasons I wanted you to come is just to kind of help us unpack some mental health stuff in the midst of COVID. So, mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk about that. Um, but mm-hmm. would, yeah, would you tell us a little more about yourself? Yeah, sure. And, and, and maybe a little bit more, um, I kind of wasn't joking about our relationship. I mean, I, I think in many ways you've been such an important spiritual mentor to me, mm-hmm. um, and a dear friend. And I think, um, you know, I, I, you know, we talk a lot about Enneagram stuff and the yeah. spiritual dimensions of the Enneagram and the idea that, you know, um, I, I feel like, you, you know, I'm always kind of looking to you as being a few years further along and dealing <laughs> with your sevenness, um, few. than me. Just and, a couple, um, John. just a few. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Robert looks 25. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is. Well, so that, yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I, yeah, that's true. Um, I, I, you know, my nickname growing up was Doogie Hauser because I went to school. I went to college when I was really young, and yeah. um, and so then I've always been kind of on the younger side of of most of the things that I've yeah. I've done, and I've always gravitated towards you know older older older, older men, wiser yeah. <laughs> men <laughs> that, that have kind of been um, important spiritual mentors. Matt's certainly one of those people, and w- w- what's been really cool is um, you know. 
kind of growing some of the stuff that we've done this last year. Mm. Um, most fun I've had all year um, was doing these kind of psycho-spiritual groups, looking at the intersection, you know, between kind of the, the psychological and the spiritual, which is really the place I judge you live in most. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, um, so it's been, you know, um, a really wonderful and rewarding relationship. Mm, yeah. um, my, my work, you mentioned Ethos Behavioral Health, that's um, kind of our parent company. We operate um, uh, several uh, Houston-based locations for outpatient care. Um, we have uh, DBT centers um, that focus on d- uh, dialectical behavior therapy. There's a particular approach for working mm-hmm. with, um, with patients, and it's wonderful, and that's run by Martha Fontana and my partner, Stacey Torn, and, and they do a remarkable job running um, locations uh, in Bel Air and Cyprus and mm-hmm. Woodlands. Um, and then we have the Lovett Center, which you mentioned, which is kind of in the heart mm-hmm. of the city and in, um, in kind Montrose. of the creative hub of yeah. the, the city, which is in Montrose. And then um, we have a Woodway location that, that Stacey also runs. And then um, we expanded out uh, to, to include inpatient care this year. Um, mm-hmm. And so we opened a residential facility in Roundtop. Um, which a lot of people from Houston are yeah. familiar with Roundtop. So we yeah. have a 46 acre, um, beautiful property, um, you know, tucked right in there in Roundtop. And it's um, just been um, really challenging and really awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the largest undertaking that myself or our other managing partner, Will Davis and, and Stacey Torn have taken on. Um, uh, it's had really unique challenges and it's been a lot of fun. And you know, at times like any new venture, frankly, terrifying, but, um, altogether good. And the work we're doing with people is really meaningful. Um, we do have a Chicago campus too, um, that we opened a couple years ago. Um, that's where Texas, (laughs) Chicago, (laughs) Illinois. Oh yeah. I'm sure Texas. I'm sure there's a Chicago, Texas (laughs) and cut and shoot Texas and dime box, Texas, and you know, point blank, Texas. There's, there's all sorts of, um, but, uh, so yeah, we, I, I did my doctoral coursework in Chicago and so I had kind of a professional network there and we just Mm kind of grew, um, in that direction. It's a market that's a lot like, um, the Houston metro area. And so it was a place where we felt like we could kind of understand and go in and help people. Um, That's great. So, yeah. And some of your, I love some of the connections back to like Chapelwood that, um, yeah. Will Davis and it, when he, your partner right. in crime, I mean, his, his parents and yeah. he grew up in this church. Yeah. And, I mean, know, his dad ran the like preschool, uh, uh, ran the school, yeah. the preschool kind totally. of for, for years. Yeah. yeah Bill, um, Bill Davis. Bill Davis ran it, oh, you know, yeah. 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 so, so yeah. it's just like this weird, and, and I didn't meet him through Chapelwood, but it all kind of, it, it is interesting together. that it all kind of like comes back to that. And then, Stacy yeah. probably lives a stone's throw from here. So yeah, and she's involved know. in in the the camps. Uh, her family's involved in what? That's the, right. They, they uh, yeah, they're they're uh, the Torn family owns and operates um, Camp Ozark, yeah. um, which is a Christian based camp that yeah. has been, you know, but, now I, I think one in, something like one in every five households in this area camps there and has for like multiple generations. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. It's really great. Yeah. And I've been out to uh, uh, visiting out at the prairie, um, yeah. which is just, I mean, the things that you're doing in the city, one, I think, are um, are really deep and soulful and they're beautiful and do amazing work with folks. Every, every I, I send and recommend folks to, to your practice uh, and your kind of, uh, um, your ethos behavioral health to so many folks. And the well, feedback I'm always getting is that, you know, the one, the level of care is top notch. And then also people are able to go deep. 
um, yeah, really thank deep. You. And get, that's, yeah, so. that's probably the best compliment we could get is, um, I, you know, I think the reality is that we've continued to grow and we've gotten bigger as an organization, but our, our goal has never been getting big for the sake yeah. of getting big or anything yeah. like that. It's been how do we grow in ways that strategically help, you know, mm. uh, gaps within our community how do we serve people how do we um i think we always kind of come back to that that's really at the heart of it because um you know at the uh really at the center of it we were patients first Mm -hmm. um like i was a patient before i was a therapist which (laughs) i i strongly suggest if you're (laughs) if you're getting any aspiring therapist you know i i suggest you get on the couch and do your work and um and and so i was a patient first and and that's what guided me to the work and i think that's what's Mm. so so meaningful about Mm, it Um, that's great and that's always stayed at the heart of of what we do is like being really mission-centered well speaking of being a patient and a therapist (laughs) are we we, we starting our session yeah we're starting our session (laughs) i don't i don't know if you uh if you got uh, wind of this or not, but we are in a global pandemic. Yeah, I, I have heard. Uh, not only are we in a global pandemic, yeah. but Gosh. Uh, we've got, yeah. uh, it's a it's a political year. It's an election year, presidential election year. Yeah. That really helps uh, calm things down. <laughs> it does. Oh, yeah. It brings yeah, people it brings right out. It brings out the best sensibility in every person. Yeah. We have uh, an awakening in our society and in our culture uh, around race uh, and yeah. racism and privilege and all of these things. We yeah. have business socioeconomic people who are have lost jobs or losing jobs or losing businesses or losing wealth and yeah uh then you have just the normal regular stuff right that happens yeah Uh, (laughs) the 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 beating down of everyday life yeah Yeah. daughter getting married Uh you know yeah so so back to my uh, therapy (laughs) yeah i well i will say this and i'd like for you to just speak not not only to me i will be <laughs> acting like you listen in though forever. yeah here's a couple of things that i have personally experienced uh as a pastor in our congregation everybody is very sensitive about everything whether it's when are we going to have church again whatever i find that when people do decide to reach out um some are very positive but whenever there is a a negative you can almost read between the lines that there is a there is a place or a space of, of trauma that's going on either in that yeah. moment that prompted this, and that of course is ratcheted up. I mean, uh, I, I think that the biggest thing we're going to face going through this is a mental health crisis. Um, yeah. I hear of pastors that are leaving ministry, people that are. Um, I don't even know what the question is. I, I can tell you that my level of anxiety, I've always been a person who I think has been able to handle stress and anxiety really well. Yeah, sure. And I'm finding that I'm at the limit of my capabilities in all of this. I've yeah. found anxiety manifesting itself just like heart racing in, yeah. and being present to where it's almost like I just got to walk away, run away. I, I can't be right here right now. Right. I don't know if that's a panic attack or what. Sure. I've never had that before. Right. So right, when we're thinking right. about just kind of where do we start in naming all of this and what are, mm-hmm. you know, first yeah. let's just name what is. I mean, I think that's what people need to hear. So what are we confronted with? What are the things that just are out there in front of us? Yeah. Well, I, you know, so first of all, you're, you're in, in 
good company with every other human being I know, which is just that, that we've, we've all been taken to kind of a maximum capacity of what we think we're kind of capable of. Mm -hmm. And then we're being asked to kind of do, you know, all the, yeah, do more. Um, especially if you're in a helping profession, it's like, uh, Hey, you're, 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 you know, we're, you know, if, if I were to think about, you know, the clinical work for a moment, like my work as a therapist, um, usually I get to draw on, you know, personal experiences that I'm kind of on the other side of, right? So appropriate use of self is not like I'm in this with you. It's like, I, I've got a little bit of insight about how I'm working this through and I'm going to lend that in a way that hopefully is useful to you. Mm. Um, we're kind of all in it, right? Um, you know, you're in it. You're experiencing the same thing that your congregation is experiencing. Yeah, that's um, uh, I'm experiencing so much of the same thing that my caseload is experiencing. So how, how, do we, how are we both in it and kind of steeped in it and also maintaining a kind of presence, um, uh, and, and, and taking care of ourselves, um, and working through those challenges. And, and, and I think that's a question that's really, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can say in many ways, I'm still in the middle of that with you, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you in terms of how we manage that. Um, the, if, if you were to think about, you know, one of my mentors and, and, um, kind of person I look to, um, who, who's, who's now retired, Dr. John Allen, um, who was at Minnegar for some 40 plus years. Um, you know, one of the things that he has always written about, talked about with trauma and with depression, um, and, and anxiety disorders as well is, is that really what you have is, is, you know, this, the, the preceding deal for, for any kind of like major dip in, in mood or, or life functioning is a pile up of major stressors. Yeah. And like you were going through this litany <laughs> and it was like, it wouldn't stop, you know, it was just like, and, and, you know, police brutality and like issues of, of, of race and, and equality and, um, and global Economics. health pandemic <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and, un and soaring unemployment and election year. And I mean, you just kept like, it doesn't stop. And, and that's without even adding the personal to that, right? <laughs> no, that, we, we, we haven't even touched the global. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even touched like, you know, w w whatever kind of vulnerability you were on the brink of already, right. whatever kind of stress pileup you well, had. You were already living paycheck to paycheck. Oh my if gosh. You already yeah. were experiencing food scarcity. Yeah. If you were already had marital issues, depression 100%. or marital issues <clears throat> or work issues before all of this yeah yeah then 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 all this does is is it each one of those pieces adds a kind of exponential multiplier um and so you know yeah it's not surprising to me at all that you would say hey that the this the kind of anxiety that i'm experiencing the physiological symptoms of that i've never had before that that is not surprising in the least bit and i think in many ways that's probably part of the conversation that needs to be had is that people look to you and say like Oh, you know, John's leads this major congregation and, you know, Matt's, Matt, Matt's really got his stuff together and, you know, and, and, and by all means, like, you know, knowing I can't speak to, to, to you as much as I can speak to Matt and say, yeah, he's a guy who like really practices what he preached and lives yeah, that I don't, I don't way. That's um, true. I, <laughs> I'm sure that you do or you wouldn't find, find yourself the head of this congregation, but, That's right. um, you know, I, I was talking about this recently, like that leaders are in leadership so long as they serve the needs of the people that they're, they're asked to lead. And so I, I would have no doubts about that for you too. But I, I guess my point is that maybe that's the conversation in, in part that needs to, it is just the normalization of like, yes, like 
if you're struggling, if you're having anxiety, like that's okay. And, um, and I think in many ways, to the extent that we can normalize mental health, um, concerns, um, and destigmatize them. Right. I mean, it's always been an issue related to like people, um, people, people are willing to talk to you about a lot of stuff, yeah. stuff that you would think is kind of largely off limits. And then you're like, Hey, let's talk about your emotional well-being, And they're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> you know, like get a little personal there, you know, and, and, um, let's talk about your spiritual health. And it's like, Whoa. Um, so, so that, um, I think in many ways that's maybe an important part of the conversation is just like, Hey, we're, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what, what are you finding that is, uh, that's helpful? Like you, you, in your, when you're talking with people. So let's just assume everyone that's, that's going to listen to this podcast has got, we know trauma, we know Anxiety. mental health struggles. We, I mean, <clears throat> when I say mental health struggles, I just mean stress. I mean, yeah. that is now, like for me, manifesting it, itself in physical ways that it yeah. never has before. Right. What, what, how do we start the journey for people to just say, because one thing that also I think managing expectations is we're not, we keep thinking we want this to be over just because psychologically we want it to be over <laughs> and it's not going to be over yeah. soon. No. And that's hard because uh, we're really wired to have sort of this immediate response to be able to fix our problems. We cry out, we get what we want, this consumeristic. I think spiritually there's yeah. a lot of immaturity in that too because of that. But So where do we start on this journey? What is your sort of pathway for someone to begin to articulate it, to things to work on it? Maybe I'm asking too big of a question or too small, I don't know. But. No, no, I, I, I think it's a, uh, you know, I mean the question is kind of where do we begin? And I think that, that, that would be a great place for us to begin. I think, um, in some ways it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's your ability. You know, it, I think it, in, in many ways it would be, um, it, it, it starts with leaders and um, whether mm-hmm. you're the head of household in a family or you're leading a large organization, um, uh, to, to make space for a dialogue, make space for a discussion and to like be vulnerable and lead with vulnerability and share like, Hey, this is really difficult. Let's talk about it. Um, you know, uh, making the implicit kind of stuff that's happening, that's churning inside of us, um, explicit and known to people is really important. Um, we're, we're, you know, um, in my, uh, it feels like another life in a way it was nine years ago it started, but, um, isn't that long, but a lot has happened in that nine years. Yeah. I've had like four kids, so <laughs> lots happened. But um, you know, it reminds me of something that that Dr. Brene Brown always says, which is you know that idea of like um, we're 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 social animals and we're hardwired for meaningful connection. And so the first place, the first place we begin towards restoration and health is is always um, moving towards connection, um, which we're having to get really creative about, right? Yeah. Um, like the, the, the normal means around which we connect, not available to us. Um, I am like the extrovert's extrovert, right? I'm like, <laughs> this is like, and I was talking to my colleague, one of my colleagues, Amanda Yoder, who I just uh, adore, and she, she was like, she's an introvert, and, and I'm sure she'd love me saying that on a podcast. <laughs> but, um, but she was like, welcome to my world, buddy. You know, yeah. like this is what we feel all the time. Like it's super uncomfortable. She's like, yeah, I've conformed to a, a, a world built around extroversion for like, like my whole life. And I was like, wow, I never thought about that. Yeah. Like never thought about yeah. that, but yeah. we're having to get super creative 
about how we get connected. Um, Matt and I are in a men's group together um, mm-hmm. with with um, Bill Curley and a bunch of just wonderful men. And um, and that's been tough to yeah. take that. Like, how <clears throat> how do we deepen connection in a medium that's like I'm talking to a, a screen, right? So, um, but you know, where where possible, I'd say you know, um, open up, move towards connection, not away from it. Um, uh, get creative about how you're connecting with people. Um, a lot of people have said, well, I don't like talking on the phone with folks. Well, that's the world we're in right now. So get comfortable with it, deal with the, uh, the discomfort around it because you're going to need that lifeline. Like yeah. that, that phone a friend piece is like, it is a lifeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's super important to stay connected to it. Um, I think we have a lot of people engaging in therapy for the first time. Um, people who had not contemplated that before, who've had, you know, either faith communities or other places where they've taken and done their work are now looking to, to therapy in a way that they haven't. Um, that's really um, interesting. And and, um, and so, you know, where possible, I'd say, you know, seek support in that in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, especially if you feel like the symptoms are exceeding your ability. Like, right. When you start seeing like massive impairments in your ability to kind of function day to day, then that's usually a signifier that you need more support. Um, right. So I, I really would say, look to, you know, have people start looking inward at their own behavior and ask themselves, honestly, like what level of support do I need right now? Mm. Um, and then getting okay with yeah. that, that, that just may be what you need right now. And, um, and that's okay. Um, I feel like there's probably a number of other things, but I'll, I'll yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So like I'm thinking about like families and spouses and kids mm-hmm. and all those things and, and particularly as it yeah. ramps up to the school year. Mm-hmm. What are um um and all of those all those relationships can be in these kind of pressure points really um strained. And so totally. things that have laid maybe underneath the um the surface that have been able to be dealt with and absorbed in a normal way feels like now that because of stress, things seem to come to the surface. Yep. What are some things that spouses can do um, towards and with each other that might um, not just be holding their breath underwater or maybe pushing the other person under the water? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but really, yeah. what, what are some things that we need to be mindful of? Because I, I think in some ways, kind of my reptilian brain can in in times of stress can go to reaction fight or flight oh, totally. and so it's really counterintuitive to move in a different way what would you say yeah and 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 to move towards relationship when your brain is saying flee or yeah. fight or yeah. yeah totally or shut up <laughs> yeah. Yeah, any number of, whatever it is yeah you know yeah. i'm again i i'm you know i can i can speak to my experience in this mm. right now you know that's very real and and very kind of in the moment. Um, you know, we, we, I talked to you on Sunday coming back, mm-hmm. uh, but we, we took a weekend and, and went to New Ulm and it was, it was great. Uh, n- namely because we did nothing. Um, we did nothing. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was this space, this kind of spiritual and emotional reprieve that allowed my brain to kind of quiet a little bit and for me to get still for a moment. And, um, my wife being the kind of amazing person that, that she is very definitively my better half. Like, um, uh, my, my strategy, John, for parenting is, um, to basically observe my wife and then copy her. That's like my, that's my general, <laughs> that's my general strategy on most things. If, um, if I'm being honest and, and then, so, you know, she, she, 
you know, took a minute on Sunday to kind of be like, what, what, are, what are we taking away from this experience? You know, like mm-hmm. she, she does a really good job of like that zooming out, you know, you'd think the group therapist in me would zoom out and notice that, but now I'm just usually kind of burning right through. And so she was like, what, what, what's our lesson? Like, what are we taking mm-hmm. away? You know, nature is a good teacher. Uh, it was one of them. Um, and, mm-hmm. um, ab- about how to pace ourselves and how to, how to weather the heat of a long summer. <laughs> Right. And, um, yeah. you know, those, those types of things. So I, I, I'm, you know, for me, uh, it, it looks like where possible, um, take, taking, taking a minute. Um, and I don't think it has to be a whole weekend. I, I think it's creating space for quiet moments, contemplative moments, um, partnering moments, you know, um, mm. after the kids go to sleep, there's always this pull to like hop on your phone and scroll through social media or watch television. And cause it's that time where you're like, nobody, like finally nobody needs anything from me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people really get to that space by the evening. And I think that's the time where we kind of like find that other gear and kind of say, okay, let's, let's sit down. Let's have, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of like meaningful dialogue and download the day. Like what happened? How did it feel? Like I'm trapped. It's, <laughs> I'm feeling stuck. Right. This is, t- you know, um, that's such an important thing for couples right now. Um, I can tell you like also generally, I, I think that the, the, the notion of the, of the, the psychotherapist as a modern day guru is basically the guru that has done all the things wrong. So I can really speak from that place of like, <laughs> let me, let me tell you what not to do. Um, you know, uh, now is not the, uh, there's this great, I think I sent it to you at some point, but there's this great, like, uh, um, a meme or whatever that said, you know, uh, yeah, during quarantine, we've been playing this, uh, you know, my wife and I've been playing this awesome game, um, called why did you do it that way? <laughs> and no one wins. Um, and I like, that's what not to do. Right. 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 Um, so now is not the time for criticism. It's the time for grace. Um, now mm-hmm. is not the time to like, Hey, let's tackle this like large intractable problem. We've been stuck around. Probably not. Um, like, mm-hmm. let's just, it, it, let's find ways to partner and get through. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. the partnering and getting through and coming out the other side tells you something about your partnership Beautiful. that resolves the other piece that you felt stuck around. Yeah. Um, you know, and, um, you know, I, 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 I think the other piece that I would, would offer about families, um, and, and particularly coupleship is, um, you know, y- Sometimes, um, sometimes the intractable difficulties, um, require mediation of some kind and, um, whether that's, um, you know, a spiritual care director or a therapist or, you know, uh, somebody that specializes in marriage and family work, um, or both, um, uh, you know, that, that's another option that's on the table. Um, Mm. you know, uh, that, that, you know, of course I'm always, you know, the, what's the therapist's answer to most that, you know, more therapy, but, um, but I think, but I think our, our arguably that, you know, sometimes when we're struggling to solve for something, um, we need some additional support. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and where, where possible that time, you know, alone time as well. Um, you know, we're, I, I find that, you know, you never really kind of appreciate how small your home is until you're confined to it largely. <laughs> And then you kind of go like, 
wow, this is really <laughs> living stuck. on top of each other here. You know, like this is uh, so. Especially if you have four kids. Yeah, yeah, especially, and and I'm like, I, I'm I'm the lightweight in our management group. Like, Stacy and her husband Chris have five. And Will and his wife Bridget have six. Like Twelve or something. Yeah, they have like thirteen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's seventy-four kids, you know. But no, they have six. And so um What yeah. I hear you saying is some of the things that you're talking about is seems counterintuitive. I was reading something a couple weeks ago where Darwin said that human beings are the only animals that when they are lost increase their speed. <laughs> you know, so there's a mm. sense in which yeah. Like over the quarantine, there's like this, like, I'm not doing enough. I got to do more. I got to do more. Um, where the counterintuitive would be to slow down, mm-hmm. would be to turn towards, which is really hard to do. Like as John said, it's, there's a sense of which I, we just want it done. Yeah. You know, and I thought this was going to be a marathon yeah. or at least I thought it was maybe a half marathon. Then it became a marathon and, and then it's, it's like an, an ultra. ultra marathon. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, wait a minute, you know, yeah. they keep, they keep Just moving the, every day. Yeah. Yeah. They keep moving the goalpost. Yeah. And so realizing that there's a whole other, like the end result, like the, the, um, uh, the finish line isn't the goal. Right. Um, yeah. um, so what then is a goal today in a sense? Yeah. Well, and and let me just say this too. I think, Mm. um, I I think you highlighted kind of like culturally part of the, the, the challenge that we face is that like, um, we're really task and goal oriented. Yeah. Like it's this very, like that, that is so, that's so what we do in our culture. Right. It's like, uh, you know, I work with people who, you know, um, who are so, who are such high achievers. Right. And the second they achieve something, they take no space for it. It's like, well, that achievement has gotten me as far as it can get me. What's next. Right. And like, there's never any space for like that contemplative mm-hmm. moment. You and I have talked about this a lot from mm-hmm. the start of coronavirus and, and when in stay at home orders and all that, you said, I, I'm, I'm thinking of this as a kind of forced Sabbath, mm-hmm. yeah. like that our culture really like, like, like if, if whatever you, you know, whatever your God is, is kind of say like, Hey, slow down. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. It's like, no, slow down. And I'm like, got it. Yeah, sure. And then it's like, no, stop. Mm-hmm. Right. And there we're, we're kind of experiencing in a way a sort of like that forced Sabbath. I mean, that's like uh where, where we're being invited to kind of like, uh, reimagine, um, our lives a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that's, that's tough. The, 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 you know what? Sabbath is at its core, it's settlement, it's worship, mm. it's rest, and it's play, recreation, recreation, yeah. right? right? And if you look at where we find ourselves, we're unable to worship in the ways that we have. Mm-hmm. We don't have each other. We, we, we're worshiping, but we're disconnected in that way online. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly haven't found uh, this to be a restful period. Um, and certainly can't find any play to be, ha- you know what I'm saying? So when I look at that and I think I agree with you a hundred percent, there's, but there's that, I think why a lot of people, there's an agitation or a struggle in right. all of this is because, this would be great if it was a sabbatical where you could engage in the elements of Sabbath, mm. but it's almost like it's, 
it's not the essence of Sabbath unless we we have to cultivate that. I guess is yeah. what I'm saying. Just because yeah. you're not having to go to the office. Right, mean is not Sabbath. Sabbath. No, 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 no. Um, I'm just venting right, no, my it, own uh, struggles yeah, no, no. here. I mean, no, I, as I, I said I this is it. my therapy right, session. Right. Don't hijack this. Right, right. No, I get it. Um, I, I, so I, I think you've made a couple of really important uh, points, which would which would be probably you know for anybody listening, the first thing they would go to is like, this doesn't feel like recreation to me. <laughs> you know, this feels yeah, like. Yeah. Like punishment, like waterboarding, you know, like yeah, like waterboarding, um, torture, yeah, um, yeah, step beyond punishment, you know, torture, right? Um, but I, I think the hell is kind of of our own making in a lot of ways, right? Um, I do agree with that, I, 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 and and to the extent that, um, so I think it's only it, it can only be experienced as a sort of reprieve if we're very intentional about our behavior and how we show up. So it, it really like what this has invited me to look at is my level of intentionality about how I'm living my life. Mm. Right. Um, where all of a sudden life as I knew it came to a screeching halt and I had to reimagine everything. I mean, we, we, we literally overnight, we became a telehealth company. Everything we do is in person sitting very closely in, you know, chairs at 45 degree angle like this, you know, like, yeah that's what we do. And all of a sudden we, we became a telehealth company overnight. Like everything we, we, we had to reimagine everything, yeah. um, which, uh, w- was really difficult and, um, in its own way ha- has started to become, you know, and I, and, and let me just say this, I go through total ebbs and flows of this. I mean, I, I talk to Matt pretty regularly. Um, some days I'm like, this is great. I'm learning a lot. I'm, I've got a home yoga practice. And the next week I'm like, I, I hate everything. <laughs> you know, like I just, yeah, like right. this is, I hate, it's I, a roller coaster, you know, yeah. and who invented yoga anyway? Stupid, stupid, you know? And then other times I'm like, <laughs> and, and then I find myself kind of like back. I'm on not the, saying that I'd get emails. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> don't need any more emails. I, and, and then I get, and then I get back to, you know, I get back on the mat and develop, you know, or whatever, whatever that is, you know, it's not, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a devout yoga practitioner anyway, but my, my wife's probably m- much more um, connected in that way. But, but for me, it's like, you know, there's, there's different ways in which I, you know, go through ebbs and flows. Um, but the more intentional I am about my behavior, uh, the better, right? The more I can it, it really set a clear intention about how I want to use this time, how I want to show up. Um, you know, it's, it's like that, um, there's that uh, iconoclast. You guys did a piece. Mm-hmm. One of your teaching fellows did a piece where they, um, I mean, I probably watched that video 150 times. I've got to meet that guy at some point. And I'm not, I, you'll tell me his name. Maybe Zach. I don't know. Who it, um, Marlon? No, not Marlon. I've met Marlon. Okay. Um, but it's one of your like teaching fellows that does this poem about uh, Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah. Zach wants. Yeah, it was beautiful. And at the end, you know, he, it, it's this question about, um, he says, will, will your will history agree with you? Yeah. Will your oh, children's yeah, yeah, yeah. children agree with you? Yeah. And I think that's like the most poignant question we could be asking ourselves, right? Is like, what side of history do I want to be on this? Um, but if I thought about that in a very personal way, like what does that mean about my behavior today? Like yeah. who is the person I wish to be in this struggle, in yeah. this crisis, in this time, in, our, in my life? Yeah. Um, and if I'm like genuinely asking myself that question, um, 
the answer is really clear and resounding. Like, I'm never like, I'd like to be that guy that's like, you know, cutting people. Like, I, I'd yeah. like to be that. Can we say prick? Can you say that? Yeah. I'd like, you know, like, I'd never. Yeah. Just did. I think mean, you, can. I mean, you <laughs> just did. So like, <laughs> we don't have a beat machine. Uh, yeah, so, you know, okay. Well, three second beat. delay, Jeff. Yeah. Let's make sure we have that. Yeah, well. yeah. But, you know, nobody's, like, aspiring for that, right? Like, yeah. Like, when we're like that, when we're still in quiet with ourselves, like what we aspire to is to be the best version of ourselves. I think, you know, um, mm -hmm. I certainly do. And so what, what is that? And can we approach that with like real clear intention? Um, and, and then work to manifest that in our behavior. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk a lot about kind of the psycho spiritual kind of connection. And, yeah. and one of the things that I'm realizing is that, that, um, and, and then you talk a lot about also here, you talk a lot about daily practice mm. and those things. So it's almost like the psycho spiritual, the, the, the space that we're creating to really sink into kind of God's presence. Um, and that, um, that's not just like whipped cream on top of, no. you know, a, a drive through latte, you know, but this, I hear the way I hear you talk about it is the cultivation of the soil of our life yeah. uh, on a daily practice that, that we can't let go of in this time. And I'm more apt to let go of that and just say, I got to get so much done rather than to say, I mean, I think John, I, I don't know if John Wesley said that, I think it was attributed to to him, but I've got so much to do today. Yeah. I must pray an extra hour. I'm like, what a, I just want to yeah. slap that guy around. You know, I'm like <laughs> what? I got so much to do today. God help me hold my beer. I got to get this thing done, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, but what I'm hearing in so many ways is that like to cultivate that on a daily basis is mm -hmm. super important mm -hmm. and it's counterintuitive for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so could you speak to Maybe some of that psycho spiritual stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff. That stuff. Um, yeah, that's 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 the whole that's all the stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah. so I. Yeah, a couple, couple of things, I think um, in, in addition to intentionality, I think I would add on, on that consistency, right? Okay. That, um, you know, I'm I am. I'm nothing if not consistently inconsistent, you know, like that's, you can count on me for that, you know, like, um, uh, but, but my kind of growth edge is always trying to become increasingly consistent about my practices mm -hmm. so that like, you know, I was talking about this with patients yesterday. Um, my hope is that if, if, if patients I work with and serve, um, came to any facet of my life, they would meet the same Robert, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Congruence within myself. And that's cultivated by consistent spiritual practice, whatever that looks like for you. Um, it, it it probably might ought to consider including um, some contemplative space, mm -hmm. some space where we're quiet, mm -hmm. where we're not moving to the next thing, which is like, you know, that's like if, if I have like a, a body of work that will be my life's work, it will be like. You know, um, I had a spiritual mentor who said, yeah, your tombstone will say he was a great human doing. He struggled with being a human being. Yeah. You know, yeah, David yeah. Uh, yeah. Taylor, who, you know, yeah. um, has been kind of a, you know, a mentor to both of us. So um, that, you know, that that's my challenge for sure. Um, but uh, so in that, I, I think what I would say is that. Uh, you know, cultivating daily practice requires some consistent effort on our part um, to be really gracious with ourselves during this time. Like there's days where I'm like, I feel like, man, I 
really nailed it today. Like yeah. I, I spent time in quiet contemplation and prayer and meditation. I, you know, I read my morning, my morning kind of meditation books. I showed up and embodied that in some way. Mm-hmm. And then other days where I'm like, I don't know yeah. where those are. I could care less about reading. I, I, and and yeah. that's just the reality of it, I think, you know, and so trying to cultivate some consistency in spiritual practice, super, super important. Um, there was another point, but I lost it. Maybe we'll come back to it. Well, I think this is good practical advice. I mean, yeah. I think consistency and uh, intentionality are important. I think that I see that not happening in my life mm. because, again, it goes to the, um, the tyranny of the urgent. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's, you know, preachers already were dealing with this thing where people think, you know, you only work one day a week, right? So <laughs> now that we yeah, don't yeah. work that one day, we're not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I and, have, and, and, you know, aside from like, you know, uh, Easter, you know, yeah, which yeah. is like, the, that's a half day. Too. That's like the, yeah. Easter's <laughs> like the holy man's tax season, right? Where you're just like, you know, and then every, you know, but then the rest of the year, what are yeah. you really doing? Yeah, yeah. It's like, and I think too, I've, I've seen this in my own life and I think it, again, I'll just play everyone else today mm. in, in real life is that, um, <laughs> whatever, whatever this is that we're going through, mm. part of how it manifests itself, there's physical aspects. Yes. Yeah. But then there's an aspect of like apathy. Yeah. Um, I've noticed I've never been the only time in my own experience when I feel like I don't have enough to do. Like I I remember like whenever it was time for me to take on the next venture to do the next thing or if if things just got slow. A lot of times people will say, oh, it's great. Things are going well and they're going. So that's the time that I start going. Mm. I'm not doing well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But. I'm finding like now you have the space and you're not compelled by the things you've been compelled before this. And yet, I don't know. It's like a vicious circle of, of I've got time to do this consistently. I can say no to some things that I've done in the past that I don't have to do or can do anymore even. Yeah. And so even within all of that, it's like there's a new, urgent in front of you every day, a new list of urgent, mm-hmm. a new different timeline. Um, that's all disruptive of, I have to have sure. sermon finished to preach Friday morning, which like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. but then, but then I think apathy, um, is that something that you're seeing in the midst of all this? I know there's fear and there's anguish and a lot of, but do you, do you see or sense or where does that come from where you're just like throw your hands up and said, fine, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to melt away in uh, 10 seasons of some brain-melting <laughs> Netflix series. Yeah. And, just well, and, and by the way, people were doing that long before coronavirus, but, uh, but, it's, but, but increasingly I think that's the case. Um, and, and I would even go a step beyond apathy, which is despair. Yeah. Like the, the, the kind of, like I think people, I, I think this is a time when, when we're experiencing a ton of despair. Um, and... Where, where it just feels like this kind of unending cascade of problems without solutions, without vaccines, without an end date, without, you know, without, without, without. And it's just like, I can't. Um, I, I think, you know, if you look at the numbers, um, you know, uptick in, in, in completion of suicides, um, major uptick in, in um, depression, 
um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the last, the last ad I'd seen on, um, some of the, uh, national crisis hotlines where, um, they had, uh, eight, eight to 900 percent increase in call volume, um, for crisis wow. hotlines, like, like a call volume that that's like untenable to keep pace with. <laughs> um, uh, so, so clearly like, you know, a lot of struggle in that. And, and I think in that is a lot of despair which I think is an important piece for us to talk yes. about because um, that place where we feel like we're broken. Um, and this is that, you know, comes back to, what is it? Susan Maitre, the, the spiritual dimensions of the Enneagram where she talks about um, you, you, you go back like the, the way to understand is go back through the hole that is the wound. Right. Like, right. Um, right. I always talk about the alchemy of a recovery process. The alchemy of change is really one in which um, the wound becomes the gift. Right. So, so we keep thinking like, man, we just got this <laughs> big pile of dung here that we're just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it, but he it's so like, so wants to just, I know, like, yeah. let go on I know, I do. I'm, I'm very sensitive. I'm working. <laughs> My wife has already told me that they're like certain curse words or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I didn't really define those. Yeah. So, so I won't go all George Carlin on you, but you know, this big pile of dung here and, and, but we're like, no, that's the soil. Like that's the, that's the stuff of, of like growth and development. Like that's, it's all right there. And we're like, I don't know, smells bad. And it's like, get, get your hands in it and get in the muck of it and start working with it. And I use this metaphor a lot. We were talking about this before, you know, where where our culture begins is with this idea of, um, um, there's this spiritual teacher, Joseph Real, who talks about, um, pot, uh, in his native tongue would be pachu, would be movement. Mm-hmm. That's where we want to begin. Right. We're like, let's begin with movement. He's like, that's the third step. Mm-hmm. The first step is that the seed gets cracked open and buried deep in the earth. And I'm like, Ugh. oh, that sounds terrible. Let's skip that part. Let's go to movement. You know, and it's like, no, the seed contains everything for life but it's only potentiated by being cracked open and buried deep in the earth. And then, you know, the, the next step is in addition to kind of rec- the recognition of that seed in us that can do all things that is all things we have to, cl- the next step is actually clearing. You have yes. to clear the space yes. for that to be planted. Right. So we have like the first two steps are being done for us, by the way. And that's the part we're not seeing as a gift. That's the part we see is like the wounding in our culture. We're like, God, we're stuck at home and we can't do anything. It's like, no, 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 that's the gift. You, you're, the deck has been cleared. The seed has been cracked open. You're being buried in the earth. Yeah. Like get ready for growth. The problem is the next step after movement, when, when, once we start that process, we, we want to ascend. But that's not how growth functions. First, we go down we deepen our roots. So, so we go even further into the earth. That's how plants grow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they go even further. And, and so what I'm inviting people to look at is how are you being cracked open in a way that's potentiating really the, the full measure of who you are? How is your despair actually going to give way to hope and a new path forward, right? And goals you hadn't really had on your radar or imagined mm-hmm. for yourself how can you restore a deep sense of personal agency about your belief in and in, in ability to affect change in your own life? Right. That's something I'm always working with patients on. Um, cause those are the ingredients for hope, right? Goals, agency pathways, right? Um, you have those, those three things, you have hope. You don't have those three things. You're hopeless. Um, and, um, a lot of people feel like they don't have agency. They don't have oh, control. totally. They totally. Don't have, 
Yeah. yeah and, and we've seen it. Control. Oh, totally. And we've seen this huge emphasis on that. Like, you know, with, with mask wearing, that's become somehow a hugely political issue in which it's like, I'm not going to be told what to do. And I think that, I think it treads on this kind of idea of agency. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I get into these. You can't like, control a lot. I can control that. Yeah, yeah, like I feel so out of control. Really? Don't tell me what to put on my face. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm trying. It's not a position I kind of take up, but it's one I'm 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 trying to understand. Right. I'm right. always trying to understand like the things that I don't understand. Like help. It doesn't make sense to me, but help me understand it, and I want to understand. Mm-hmm. And I um, and um. So, but so we're we're cracked open and buried. That's the good news. Yay. Um, the space has been cleared for us. Um, our job is now to deepen our roots, um, to go even deeper into kind of planting a firm footing so that ascension can occur. Because if you grow upward without growing downward, the thing just topples Pine over tree. the first wind. Yeah. I'm from South Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> pine tree. Pine tree. <laughs> you have you jumped? Widow pine tree. <laughs> well, I mean, I get that. Yeah. I mean, a pine tree is a widow maker. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's, yeah. And when yeah. the storm comes, when the tornado comes through, they're the first trees that clear out because uh, they're super tall, especially if they get big yeah, and roots. they don't have much of a depth of a foundation uh, of right. a root to, right. um, yeah, yeah. to sort of hold them steady. Unlike on the coast of Georgia, yeah. where I'm moved here from, you know, the live oaks, mm. not only are they, the, the roots, they're deep, they're expansively oh, wide yeah. uh. and the branches, even as they go up, yeah. They actually return to the earth yeah. to provide more foundation yeah. as they go up again. Yeah, it's a fascinating. Totally. Yeah, it's it's one of it's literally one of the exercises that the patients are doing right now this morning at the prairie is we, we have this tree diagram, um, and it, it's a it's a piece I started doing when I was working with Brene on the Daring Way stuff. You know, so that's where that work began. She kind of transformed it into a lantern metaphor because she works a lot with the idea of light, light and darkness. I really like the ecological lens of that kind of like the idea of a tree and the roots. Um, the roots of the tree are, are the values that ground us. Yes. Right. So like doing values clarification work is like a, an important part of what we need to start with right now. You know, like yeah. what are those things that deep, that, that are the deep roots for you? What's mm. the core organizing kind of trunk of that tree? What are mm. those values that shape that? And then you can take that metaphor as far as you'd like, you know, the branches are the behaviors, the way in which we embody that. And they bear fruit. And what is the fruit of us living in accordance with our values, right? Right. Um, and, you know, what are the things that feed the tree, right? What's the rain? Um, you know, who are those people? What are those things that we do? Like, what are the practices? Um, and so you can, you know, I mean, I, I would encourage people, if you're listening to this, sketch that out. Like, get real clear on that. Like, do some values clarification work. Now is a wonderful, so, now is the time to do that. So if people wanted to do that work um, yeah. right now, like, they would start with... Um, what, like, could you walk us through that process? Yeah. You could get literally a blank piece of paper, okay. sketch yourself a, a little stick figure tree, <laughs> um, and start writing words that are the, the values that ground you, right? Integrity, okay. responsibility, peace, love, kindness, joy, whatever those, whatever things, those are. things are. What are the kind of organizing things that kind of form the trunk of that tree, right? Like if, if somebody said, you know, Three things, three three words I would want people to say about me when I die. Right, that's one way to quickly get to that place mm-hmm. of like, uh, what what are those things that like I, I really want people to say that was a man of integrity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was a person who who um, brought kindness to the world and who led his life with love. Okay. If if people said those three words about me, that that would be wonderful. Mm. Um, 
And then from that, you know, what forms the branches of those trees and the behaviors, right, that manifest from those values? Okay. Like, how do I embody these values in my day-to-day life? Okay. And then what, how does that tree bear fruit? You know, draw a little apple. Uh-huh. <laughs> what are the, what, what are the fruits the that are living in what's, that way? What's nurturing that? The rain that? Is, is, is what's nurturing that. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You know, you, you started this conversation, John, talking about the idea of the physiological kind of churn of all of this, right? Like that you feel it in a way that you've never experienced before. And you're definitely not alone in that. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I've been really trying to kind of get back to the heart of and teach people in uh, therapeutic practice is the idea that, um, that you have kind of three major rhythms to the body, right? You have the breath, you have your kind of brain waves, and you have cardiac activity. And you control one that controls, that holds the key to the rest of them. If you manage the breath, you can slow your heart rate down, you can quiet the mind, right? And so we come back to really simple practices of breathing. Um, and it's, and, and, and people, people are like, really? You know, it's like, yeah, really? Like that's the, that's one of the like physiological Mostly. keys to unlocking all of this. Like anxiety more than anything is a physiological process. And once it ramps up, right, it's really hard to come back down from unless you can kind of manage um, the physiological part of it and then you get your brain back, right? So when anxiety mm. is happening, it's the brain is a multi-layer processing system. You've got a brainstem, the limbic system, and the prefrontal cortex. So that's a very simple, this is Dan Siegel's model of the brain in three parts. Um, the multi-layer processing system means that information travels from the brainstem into the limbic system and then through the limbic system, which is the kind of reptilian part of our brain, that part that is Lord. really organized around survival, fight, mm-hmm. flight, and freeze, and into the thinking part of our brain that makes us uniquely human, that prefrontal cortex, right? Where we have executive functioning, make decisions, choices, access memory, all that kind of stuff. So what happens when you are anxious is that you have this kind of like hyper arousal of the limbic system, the amygdala, the smoke detector of the mind, as Bessel van der Kolk calls it. He, he says, you know, when you have this really sensitive amygdala response, it it's basically like the smoke detector that says there's a fire. So you, you burn something on the stove and your amygdala is saying fire, 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 everything's burning. Right. So we have this kind of like hyper startle response. That's part of what anxiety really is, is that ramping up of that kind of hyper startle response. Trauma too. Trauma is yeah. happening in that place. Right. So people mm-hmm. have experienced trauma. That's what they're, that's the recreation, the reenactment, the re-experiencing of that. So part of what we have to do is actually get our brains back, get to the, back to that place where we can access our thinking brain and kind of reason and be still and um, say, you know, okay, that, that's one part of my experience and I can get that part to be quiet and all that. But the only way back to that is really through the body. So the body holds the key and particularly the breath. So if, if I were to give you one single takeaway, it would be to come back to your breath by grounding into, you know, there's plenty of tons of ways that people teach um, breath work. Um, The most simple one uh, one that I've encountered is diaphragmatic breathing, right? So anxiety sounds like (sighs) you hear it, right? You can hear like the (sighs) that's hyperventilation and it's chest breathing from your mouth. So anything that's not that (laughs) where it's like breathing in your nose really slows everything down deep into your belly, hold it at the top of the breath and then release all the way also through the nose. Do this, both feet firmly planted on the ground, right? Coming, Mm -hmm. kind of getting into your kind of seat a little bit and then just... 
and about four cycles of that kind mm. of breath work. And really, there is a physiological calm that will come over you and your capacity to kind of begin to think and reason and slow things down a little bit um, will be much improved. Mm. So if there was uh, just one super, you know, we're talking about daily practices. If you did that periodically, as you start to notice that ramp up and become increasingly aware mm-hmm. of that, it would help you tremendously. Well, we have that here uh, with the Center for Christian Spirituality. Yeah. We have centering prayer. Oh, wonderful. Uh, contemplative prayer. Yeah. So people can access that, and it's it's helpful. It's just something we need to do more of. Well, we got to run. And uh, it's, it's been an honor to have you here yeah, with us. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, um, Thanks, Robert. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so um, with with uh, in terms of following us on social media, just uh, check out Ethos Behavioral Health. Um, we've got a Twitter handle. We've got Facebook page. Um, we've got an Instagram, um, and uh, we post a lot of uh, you know content there. Mm-hmm. Um, I periodically do some video pieces. Stacey does some wonderful video pieces, um, and so please do um, give us a you know look us up, check us out. I know that you put together some um, some resources also just for our church and sort of to, to kind oh, of have wide absolutely. access. Absolutely, yeah. So Matt came to me a few weeks ago and just said, can you give us some community resource and, you know, put you guys out, it, it, out there, of course. But um, but the reality is that, that uh, you know, the, Houston's a really big place. <laughs> people need community resource. Um, people have, you know, some, some people have capacity for self-pay. Some people need um, low-cost counseling service. And so we put together, I think, like a four-page list of... 12-step community resource on Zoom, uh, mm-hmm. uh, some federally qualified health clinics and, and you know, access to low-cost resource. And um, we have our Ethos Training Institute, um, mm-hmm. which has 12 really talented um, clinicians um, who are interns delivering service at low cost. Um, we have some insurance-based options um, for people that need to access that, you know, which is a large portion of middle America that yeah. would need to access their, their um, mental health benefits. Um, so we've got that list, and I guess you guys can throw that up on your website. Yeah, we'll website. put that in the show notes or somewhere. Yeah. yeah, we put it on the chapelwood.org, too. Is sure. Yeah. It stays up there. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, our coffee. Yeah. yeah. Well, shout out. Lampshade. Oh, wait, wait. Lampshade. oh. No. yeah. So it's really delicious. It, it is good. It's our first Someone sponsor. sent us some lampshade oh, coffee nice. because they know we love coffee, and they know if they send us coffee, we're going to drink we'll it. We're going to drink it. it, and we'll talk about it. So, yeah, we're always looking for a It, it was really good. Sponsor. Mine is all gone. I drank it black, and that was great. I really enjoyed it. Robert, honor to have you. Pleasure Thank to you. be with you. Thanks I'm John Stevens. And I'm Matt Russell. Robert Hilliker. And this is Pod Have Mercy. Have Mercy.